Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. As many of you know, um, I often talk to entrepreneurs on this. Um, there is a simple rule of thumb I found that can help you articulate whether you have products and services that meet the needs of an organization. But this same process I'm about to share with you is also a good way of thinking about organizational improvement. Um, so here it is. It's very simple. I learned it 45, 50 years ago. People are put in roles. Think about that. Within a process, a measurable process. And they're given tools. And they're um, they're put together in that order to create organizational outcomes that matter. People perform roles in a process using tools to create organizational outcomes that matter. Now, uh, the dirty little secret is they're people, not machines. They're living human beings. And yet we tend to measure them like machines. We tend to relate to them like machines. And uh, it's causing kind of a sickness. And, and for you CEOs, I'm talking to you, it dilutes the ultimate performance of your company. There's a better way of doing it. But guess what? I, I think many of us think it's the holy grail. How can we possibly align people, their personal, professional, and corporate lives with our necessity to run a quality business. Today, we have Dr. Daniel Halleck. Uh, Dr. Halleck has invested uh, his entire education and career in uh, helping people find quality lives and quality work. Uh, and now he's doing it in a professional setting called WILD, wildleaders.org. Daniel great having you on the great conversation. Always happy to be here, Ron. Thanks for having me back. That opening, Daniel, that opening where I say I've used this all my life to try to figure out the velocity, the veracity or quality and the strategic value of a given process. Because I figured if I can measure those things, how people perform roles in a process using tools, I can come up with a solution that expedites that right? That expedites that. Uh, but the dirty little secret is people don't necessarily play along all the time. So I thought I'd love to get in your head. I mean, you've done amazing research in this space and you're also the chief commercial officer for wild leaders. What are you finding out there? What's the problem? Yeah. I love how you describe that process, Ron. And I think what it highlights is there's this chasm between the performance and effectiveness of the person in that role you described with whatever tools they have and those outcomes. So there it is a chasm between that person's performance and the develop the, the development necessary to help them perform and the organizational performance. And we know that performance matters. It we all want to perform well. We want to go home and know that we did a great job. We want to be part of something that's winning. We all want to be part of the winning team. 
And yet there's this disconnect between my performance and the organization's performance. It's almost this holy grail that if we can bridge that gap, we can show how investments in people to give them the right tools, which could be physical tools, or it could be the development of themselves as the tool, how giving them the right tools and developing them increases their performance, but also increases the performance of the organization. We make we make an, an implied assumption that better people will create better performance and people will buy off on that, but we don't actually always act as though that is really the case. We sometimes just hope that that's going to happen, right? It's a pretty simple logic letter. We we know, okay, uh, I have organizational outcomes. I have things the business needs to get done. And so to get those done, well, I've got teams and departments and divisions and units that are solving different parts of that engine. And I have people in there who are doing different parts. So if I get, if I have people perform well, uh, then I'll have a high-performing team. And if I have a high-performing set of teams, I'm going to have a high-performing organization. That's the, at least the hope, but it breaks, it breaks down. Well, uh, but you're implying that there's a, a, a different level here that isn't just performance related on the job. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah. You know, we often talk about having the right people on the bus. That phrase gets pushed around a lot from good to great. And I'm all for that. And I, I would say if you invest in the right people, with the right conditions, those people will create the right outcomes. And so when I think about the, the metaphor for, for me, Ron, you and I have talked personally, I grew up in a family where my parents gardened. Uh, their entire backyard is just one elaborate garden. They were the type of folks who were composting in Seattle way before composting was the cool thing to do, right? An, a, an eco um, signal that, that you're a person who cares about the environment. They did it because they wanted to have good crops in their backyard and a, and a nice tomato vine. But I find the same thing with gardening or agriculture because I live in ag land. Um, if you have the right plant in the right conditions, it's going to yield the right produce. And to the point where you actually get a sense of um, what level of produce you are going to be able to yield. And if you don't, you're able to reverse engineer and figure out what are the factors that caused it to happen that are in your control or the factors outside of your control, like the weather, but you're able to reverse engineer and figure out, figure out what the problem is. So I think about the right people in the right conditions, that's where uh, it starts. And then figuring out how to link that to the, the right outcomes, right? The right people with the right conditions will create the right outcomes. So from the right people standpoint, it starts with selection. Are we hiring? Are we inviting the right people in? Are we selecting people who fit both the culture and the job? And that's important because sometimes I'll hear leaders say today, I'm hiring for fit, to which I say, wonderful. Fit for what? <laughs> I want you to fit with a culture, but they also have a job to do. And so uh, we got to make sure that they have both the competence and requisite skills necessary for the job at hand and the right fit for the overall um, ecosystem, the organization. There's somebody I can promote within the organization. They fit our ethos, right? That's important. So let's assume somebody has solved selection. And by the way, most people haven't, but let's assume somebody's gotten that. That's humming along well enough. We have a drop-off point. Immediately, you hire the right person. And then you say, go figure out the organization. 
right? We give them an orientation, maybe a week of onboarding. And so there's not a really intentional way for them to simulate into this, the people system or the team. And I don't mean where's your desk and here's your laptop and here's how to access our, our documents online. I mean, the psychosocial, the human ecosystem, right? How do I onboard and become an insider, not an outsider? So I'm trusted with information and I'm seeing as somebody who gets us. I'm seen as the us, right? So selection onboarding, let's assume there is no drop-off and we have a good onboarding process to make people belong. Then there's the development piece. Either A, we don't do it at all. We don't invest in people. We just assume you are the right person. So go figure it out now. You have everything you need. Or uh, we do some sort of development, but we need a system. And that system needs to be both to invest in them, but also people change. Organizations change. I learn things about myself through life events and experiences. Organizations change based on the markets and uh, emerging strategies. And so at some point in time, the person might realize I'm not the right fit. So are we investing in a people that helps them either figure out who they are and how the organization is changing so they can continue to reinvent themselves as in, a, in an agile way and help the organization with innovation? Or are we helping them understand who they are so they can make a decision to say, it's not my time anymore, it's time for me to leave. And they have a nice off-ramp without us having to force them off. So the right people is important, but then it gets to the right conditions. Interesting. Now, I want to point out, I think what you're talking about is not necessarily discerning that they have to leave, but discerning also what the next right step is inside the organization and who the next right person is to collaborate with. Um, so in a sense, absolutely. in a sense, what's missing, you said a gap, the drop off, you said, I love it. The drop off is two things, it seems like. One, uh, one is, I haven't necessarily set a trust platform in place. I mean, I now I, there's got to be some way to know the organization, but some way for the organization to know me. And, yes. and in that knowledge exchange also comes a discernment engine, which means where are you on the path of the next right step in your career, this job I've hired you for, and the next right step after that? So there's no discernment engine going on in corporate America today. Is that what you're saying? You nailed it, Ron. And and that's that's where the the we know that we need the right people to have to have the right conditions to produce those right outcomes. But we often just assume well, I got the right people or I've got the right enough people, and we stop there. So that discernment engine you're describing is key, and that's why I start to think about okay. So if I've got the right plant, if I've got the right person. What do I need to do to actually nurture their ability and help them perform to the level that they can? Because everybody wants to perform well and do a great job. And then how do I make the, the link from that to the business? So I think there's there's a lot of things, but I think five, there are five conditions that are great starting points for leaders who want to cultivate the people and drive their individual performance. There's five conditions, and there's a framework that I think helps pull it together. But I'm also making an assumption that we're starting with people who are at the line, meaning stuff that's below the line can erode performance and erode effectiveness, like pay and tools. There's other things too, but you know, people have to get paid 
enough to be able to have a living in whatever market they're in or comparable to the the uh, the competitive labor market meaning if you if you do all the, these things right that I'm going to get into but the pay isn't there and people are not getting compensated effectively you might get the right people in but you're going to have a leaky bucket on the other side they're just going to drip right on through because they're not able to fully perform or if they don't have the tools well if you're going to if you're going to go into the above the line leader, you're also proposing that the leader themselves that's about to deploy this discernment engine has the tools necessary to do that as well. Yes. And often they don't because their job is running a function, not necessarily helping people perform roles in that function or developing the people to perform the roles in that function. And the development they can give is often technical not the intangibles. Well, if you think about it, we've been boiled like a frog. We've been socialized in our education system and in our in our businesses, we've been boiled like the frog. Measurements are in, you know, seconds in sports on the scoreboard. They're measurements. We're, we're managed, like I said before, like machines. We would never, ever say that about ourselves, but our actions speak louder than words. And it's tangibly felt and delivered. Would you yeah. agree with that? Absolutely. I, I mean, remember, even in grade school, high school, and college, it's all about grades, getting to the next level, getting to a point where you can get promoted, even though that's starting to be questioned now that you need a degree anymore. But what, what I'm getting at is still all skills-based. It's all skills-based and performance-based and this other thing you're talking about is never discussed. Yeah. So I would say that you just hit on, Ron, one of the of those five key conditions, which is that people want to grow and they want to grow their skills. That is a that's if we want to have people perform well in those roles, they need to have opportunities to be growing those skills. But what you just said is key. It's not just the technical skills. The technical skills, the hard skills, as people used to say are not the harder skills, right? The harder skills are the emotional skills, the interpersonal skills, the self-awareness and the awareness of others and how I navigate those things. How do I collaborate with people? Technical skills are important, but there, there are so many resources to provide courses, free resources, or just good old fashioned, how most people learn on the job training. Ron, I'm amazed when I talk to leaders and you ask them how they got their start and you quickly realize their career took many departure points and what they started off focusing on or initially studied might be completely different than what they're in now, which proves we can learn things without formal education. There's a value in formal education, but we can learn a lot of things without the formal education, meaning we're going to figure out the technical skills. There's, there's a way to figure out technical skills. Those emotional skills are more intangible harder to wrap our head around, harder to measure, but perhaps more if equal or more important. So we have to be able to, people need to be able to have resources and tools and time to investing their, invest in their skills, particularly those emotional skills. Hmm. But then there's other ingredients as well. Before you get into that, um, that is interesting because I would imagine a, a lot of, manager level, senior manager levels, executives are reluctant 
to get too personal with their people. Where does that reluctance come from? It comes from a couple places, Ron. One, um, we are uncomfortable to get in the people's business. We don't want to reach into somebody's life and uh, and do that. So there's that's one piece. But there's also a fear that well, if it gets too personal, I don't know how we're going to get back onto the business. How is this going to relate to the things we have to get done? And secretly, I think a lot of leaders don't feel equipped to handle those conversations. Where's it going to go? And I don't know if I'm ready for you to share your life with me. It's it it can feel it can feel daunting. And yet, and you're hitting on a, a, another one of the conditions: people's well-being is important. So we need to grow skills, but their well-being is important. What I'm not saying is that if you report to me, I am now responsible. Your personal life is now my responsibility. Whether you're paying your bills, treating your family well, being a good citizen, it's my response. No. But what it does mean is I now have an influence on you as a person. I, I affect the conditions of your work, which has a spillover effect. That's been long documented. You don't even need research to know that if somebody has a good day or a bad day, it's going to show up for them at home and vice versa. And so people are bringing their personal lives into the workplace and it's impacting them. Whether or not they're going to say something about it, it is impacting how they're doing. I, I often think, Ron, when I see people perform well for the long term, we all have ups and downs, but when when we have when we're doing well, it's because we're doing well. People are doing well at work because they're doing well, and so if I can help them with their whole well being, I at least need to be aware of what's happening to an appropriate level and how I can help them have overall well being. One because I want them to have a great personal life, but also it allows them to be their best selves at work. It's so funny how like a stone in the water, the ripple effect of a flourishing person can affect the dynamics of the culture and the performance of a company. That's so well said. If I'm yeah. doing well, I'm doing well, and we all know it. Yeah, I want that that congruence. I want that alignment between my effectiveness at home and my effectiveness mm. professionally. And we put up an artificial barrier, but if I'm doing well at work, it's gonna. I'm going to be smiling, have a little more pep in my step at the end of the day, and if I'm behind on my bills or having an issue with my kid's school, I'm going to put a smile on my face and I'm going to be disengaged in that next meeting we're in. So conceptually, I get it. Now help me deploy it. What do I yeah. do? So a couple things that people need to create that performance. I think of those conditions like good soil for the plants. The One of the first ones is feedback. This is all about clarity. Clarity about where I am. It's hard to know how I should get to that next place that you want me to get to if I have no clue where I am. So what are the expectations of me? I love that we have moved away. This whole performance management is such a, it's been disrupted and, and people have started calling out. What about that once a year gotcha? I remember Ron, I used to work um, in a large software company in the Puget Sound region as a contractor. Um, and I was part of a staffing agency. So I technically was an employee of the agency, but I worked on site and did all my work for the company. Uh, the agency rep knew nothing of my work. And I remember one day I got a review and uh, I'd been about six months in and I got this review and I thought, you don't even, you don't even know what I do. You don't know if that you're giving me a score and you don't know if that score is true. You don't know if that, that midline score is accurate. You don't know if that high score is accurate. You have no clue what I actually do. Where is this coming from? 
often we if if we do get our, that feedback, it often comes as that once a year gotcha or twice a year gotcha. So there's miscalibration of expectations. So be, being able to have regular, meaningful feedback, let me know how I'm doing, put the mirror up, what am I doing well that I should keep doing and what need must I do to be able to continue to improve. So, so feedback is key. And this is a conversation for a longer time, Ron, not all feedback is equal. So some feedback can actually erode performance. We've all experienced that. And so back to your comment about managers and leaders being equipped, we need to equip leaders to be able to give real meaningful, actionable feedback that um, employees can receive and take advantage of and have clarity about their expectations. Closely tied to that, a second condition is goals. I need to have, and this is back to clarity as well, but it also ties in direction. Where are we going as a business? Where are we going as a team? And what are we doing to support that overarching strategy if it's in the right direction? And then how does my role and my function, what am I specifically doing and need to do to move that forward? So often, Ron, I see in organizations a lack of clarity and direction. And so employees spend inordinate amounts of time wasted trying to figure out what should I even be doing? What what is expected of me? What am I being measured against? I know I'm being measured against something, whether they give me a score or not. Everyone has an expectation of what I should be doing or not doing, but I don't know. And so there's this swimming in ambiguity I'm not saying that today's dynamic, complex, volatile uh, uh, workplace and markets that uh, we need to give everybody a rubric for how to do everything. I, I get that we need to be able to be creative and adaptive, but I am saying most people have no clue what they're aiming for. And so they spend a lot of their time wasted. And this ties back to feedback. If I if I know what my my limited number of specific goals are for this quarter, the things I have to get done to make the team get its things done, to make the organization get its things done. Now we have something to be able to give feedback against and calibrate those expectations. So feedback and goals are key on a regular basis, not just a one-time deal. But then there's another interesting thing. And this and this ties uh, the feedback, the goals, growing skills, and well-being together. Purpose and something to care about. And I think there's two halves of this coin. One is something that's bigger than me. And two, something that's for me. People are inspired today. It's almost demanded that the organization let us know its compelling mission and vision. What is that bigger than thing that we're doing? We're not uh, helping clean dryer vents. We're creating clean air. We're not putting in uh, pipes in the ground. We're actually creating clean water access for people. We're not just fill in the blank that we we, we want to know that there's something bigger. And so leaders, we have the opportunity to help people connect to that, and that deeper, bigger than me purpose. And that's compelling. But there's also something for me as well. Everyone is driven. They have their own motivations, whether that be the goals they want to achieve to uh, help their family live the life that they want to provide for them or their own self-actualization and career direction. They want to know that there is something for me. And if I can connect my vision for myself to the organization's vision, well, now we've got a nice calibration and and a reason to grow my skills, a reason to be aware of my well-being 
and a reason to be disciplined on my goals and even solicit that feedback. And so those are a few conditions. When those are in place, it creates the, the, the soil for really good performance. And that's not a one plus one equal two. That's a one plus one with multiples of value on both sides. Yes. And then when you scale that up to a team and organization, it becomes multiples times multiples. Outstanding. And that, Ron, that is why we spend billions of dollars a year on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives so that so that people feel that they can belong. That's why we spend billions of dollars on employee engagement, why we spend millions and billions on performance management and leadership development. All those things, we know that if we can crack that code, there is a multiple upon multiple effect. And there is billions of dollars being spent on all these, what I call silos of excellence, all cumulatively attempting to engage our employees in a, in a flourishing culture that will resort, result in a flourishing business. But they're silos of excellence. They're not well integrated. Um, so, And that's where the drop-off happens again, Ron. We, we don't know how to tell the story to ourselves or to our teams about the work that we're doing and how it connects to the bigger organization. I had an organization, we do something in our wild toolkit. We have an alignment measure. It's really powerful. And it's a, it's a powerful tool to be able to see how aligned our um, employees to the mission of the organization, the direction of the organization, to the direction of their team, and to what extent are they clear about what their role does to support each of those. Imagine this, imagine three different gas gauges that are full or empty. I had a team where they were, the team was really clear about the mission. They were bought into the mission of the organization. They were really clear about what they, in their own roles, what does my job do, but almost no clarity, completely unclear about how their team was fitting into the bigger picture. Wow. Can you imagine that? And that's the link right there. I know that my work matters. I believe in the mission. I don't quite know what we're doing to get there. There's this, there's this chasm. So what, so one of the frameworks, Ron, that it, that I like to suggest is these things, those conditions, they happen through relationship, right? They happen through a relationship with a manager and the people on their team. And yet relationships need a structure to be able to till the soil and connect it to that organizational outcome. So I like to suggest something called the four to one three-to-one conversation role. And it's two separate frameworks for conversation. The four-to-one piece is about our tactical check-ins and our development rhythms. So most leaders realize, okay, I need to check in with my team. I need to do one-on-ones. That's how they, that's how they think about it. Or I really want to do check-ins. I want to do one-on-ones. You know, I'm so busy, but ideally with every person on my team, I'm having a weekly check-in. So in a given month, four weeks in an average month, I'm having four check-ins with you as one of my direct reports. And this can be a quick 15-minute hallway conversation, Ron. It's where's the status of our projects? What's happening on that account? What's happening with that initiative? Give us a report out. Let's talk about it. Are we on track? Are we not on track? What do we need to do? What do you need from me? What barriers can I move? Really nice check-ins. There's, there's, it's a, it's an easy framework to just know where things stand. It's just about the business at this point. Just about, just about the, the business. Okay. It might bring a little bit of professional. I might say, hey, Ron, you know, in that last meeting, I'd love to have you speak up or, you know, you spoke up too much. 
but it's it's mostly just on on the daily dailies Got as it. one like client likes to call it. What's happening? Here's what we often don't do though. We often don't step back and say, well, let's talk about your development because we're talking about all these things happening, but maybe your lack of initiative or boldness or your inability to collaborate well is, is keeping you from moving that project forward. So yeah, we can talk about the status report all day long, but, but I actually need you to be able to build relationships across functions. So once a month, we step back and we talk about that person's development. Again, it could be skills, but even more because they're learning skills on the job, their emotional state and their own development. So once a month stepping back, and that's where the wild team has really filled a gap to say, here's a framework and a rhythm for the most important development conversations to have and a set of tools to be able to have them be really meaningful. So you got your your four check-ins a month, once a week. And once one of those times, once a month, you stop and you maybe take 30 minutes or an hour. And we talk about your overarching development. How are you growing? How are you developing? What am I seeing? How can I help you go to the next level? So we're, I like to think of it as we're building your muscle. You're not just checking in. We're actually taking you to the gym as well. So that's the four to one, the first piece of the four to one, three to one. May I pause you there? Pause me. Okay. I know people learn different ways. For example, I'm a visual. If you want to capture my imagination and attention, get me on a flip chart with you. Uh, so I can see it and hear it at the same time. Uh, so kinesthetic, as you know, mm -hmm. touch, visual, auditory. Um, tell me about that monthly session. Is there something I have in front of me that we're both using to visualize as well as talk and see it? Yeah, I love that. That's, that's uh, and yes, the answer is yes. Um, the monthly rhythm for develop for that development conversation, what we do at Wild is we provide a unique assessment every month on a different but related topic for you. Mm. So I like to think about that about it as if you went to the gym and you're training for a competition in something. Um, let's say you're training to do a triathlon. All right. Well, we know you're going to have swimming, biking, running. So we're going to create a regimen for you. And so what we do is once a month we give the employee or athlete in that metaphor a, a assessment to be able to diagnose themselves on where they are in a particular topic. It could be how they're showing up emotionally in high pressure moments, or it could be what are their top competencies or what's motivating them and helping, helping juice their drive. Um, also, it could be who are the people they're investing in and how do they develop others really, really well? Whatever the topic is, this could be a topic that's related to their development. So by actually completing an assessment, they have a literal feedback report in front of them with data, charts, graphs, reflective data. They have insights about themselves that gives awareness and language, and that becomes a meaningful conversation for them with their manager about where they are and where they want to grow. Oh, that is so cool. But but however, back to people process tools for a second, um, I know that I usually get things done with others, otherwise known as a team or, yeah. or a group, right? Is there a way to have that same rhythm with the group as well as the same kind of, call it measures of how we're developing together in this emotionally intelligent uh, exercise? Yes. And ideally the, the best teams that do this, I've got my check-ins with you individually, but I've also got a moment for us to 
do our development together because we are doing work together and that can and that can inform that meaningful conversation we have so we're working together i learned that the thing that motivates you is different than what motivates me and that's valuable now i know how to speak to you more effectively i learn a skill and competency that you have that i wasn't quite aware of and you learned something that i'm good at so we can partner more effectively so it's it's perfect for the team and it sets the table for a meaningful conversation with a manager and that's important ron because here's the deal managers are busy people if i'm running supply chain logistics or hr or marketing whatever my thing is my job i'm i'm required to develop my people i'm required to have these conversations because i want them to grow but that's not my expertise so we take away the friction and the difficulty of saying, you don't have to be an expert in developing your people. We're going to set the table for you for the right conversation. All you have to do is have the conversation with them and we'll give the leader an easy framework by which to have it so that they can create world-class development conversations without ruining their day job. Well, since I've been exposed to your group, I also know that you have the art of the wild question that you can see yes. as well. Yeah, we give them some great questions so they can have meaningful conversations with their employees. That's the monthly rhythm, right? That's the four to one monthly rhythm. The three to one is a quarterly rhythm because those check-ins are helpful. We're checking on status, but we're not actually evaluating my performance. The, four, the, the, the three to one is to say, if you imagine any given quarter, if I'm having those three a monthly rich development conversation on a topic that matters to build my team members muscle once a quarter, I'm going to pause and have a performance conversation. Now this is different than the dreaded performance time, honey, will I get a raise or not? This is a, this is a calibration moment on how I'm doing. So I've got a couple goals. We're going to look at what are the business goals? What are my units goals? And what are the, the couple goals that, we have set for me, hopefully it's only a handful um, that are measurable. There's things I can take action on. They're going to challenge me, but they're realistic and they're detailed and specific. I've got those goals and I'm seeing my goals alongside the business. And we can have a conversation honestly around, okay, here's the goals for this last quarter. Let's talk about how you did, where you exceeded the mark, where you didn't quite meet the mark and why. Let me give you some feedback of a few things I think that would have made your performance stronger. And let's talk about a couple things moving forward that you can do over this next quarter. Let's recalibrate our goals. So we're reviewing goals. We're providing feedback and we're recalibrating purpose. Now here's the deal. That three to one ratio is so important because if I only have a quarterly performance conversation, which a lot of companies have moved to, they say, we can't just do the once a year. We got to do it quarterly, which I applaud and say, great, look at goals quarterly. The business looks at goals quarterly. So look at people's goals quarterly. That makes sense. Tie them together. Now we're starting to connect the individual's performance with those conditions through that framework of conversations to the organization. But here's the key. That quarterly performance conversation, Ron, without the monthly development conversation, won't have enough trust to make the performance conversation meaningful or enough material to know what this person should do. If I'm missing the mark and you just tell me that, guess what? I probably knew coming into that conversation too, and I don't feel good about it. And I kind of don't want to talk about it. And I'd like to blame somebody else. But if we go into that conversation and you know me, we've been having regular, we have a regular check-in 
So you know where, where things stand. I know where things stand. We have a monthly performance conversation individually and with our team development, I should say, of a monthly development conversation. You're working with me on building my muscle. Now when we get to performance, we actually have some data. Those conversations are separate because the performance conversation is a calibration. But now we can say, okay, so um, I might come in and say, you know, Ron, I missed the mark. Um, and I think it relates back to what we were talking about collaboration. I think I'm trying to do everything on my own and I need to reach out across other people. Yeah. You know what? I validate that. I think you're spot on. Let's talk about that. What, what, what can you do over this next quarter to who do you need to reach out to? What is the car? So we can move into performance and solving our problems, but that performance needs to be fed by a steady diet of development. And so what we're doing, Ron, is. Most companies realize they most companies have a performance process. They they do some sort of check-ins or calibrations. They might not be good. Most people don't, don't like them, but they do something. Most people either do or feel that they should, they want to have regular check-ins with their team. So we do the tactical check-ins, the project plans, we do the performance conversations, but we never connect them in the middle to the development of the person. That's going to actually make that whole engine sing. And, and by doing that, by having that four to one tactical check-in to development conversation and the three to one development conversation to performance conversation, it ties together those conditions, the feedback, the goals, the purpose and the care. Cause I, I get to be reminded of the bigger purpose, but I also see what's in it for me and my career development. And I know what I need to do to move forward. I get to grow my skills and see where I need to grow my skills and, and there's a moment for, for development that's going to bring in my well-being as a person, not just how well I'm performing. Because to your point, I'm not a machine. It's so funny because I'm thinking right now, again, I, I'm a visual. I'm seeing a whole picture here. And uh, that's how I've done well in business. I see the whole picture. And then I know where every person fits in the picture and where the processes need to be. I know that, right? But what you just described for me is the first time I've heard of a, essentially a whole system philosophy where you bring the whole person, the whole team and the whole company together all on one page. And you're saying you have a framework to do that. Absolutely. And that's where performance matters and it connects the individual's performance to the team and the organization while also remembering that we're talking about a person, a human being who has a whole life, personal and professional, so that we make them better people and we're looking for better performance. This has been a great conversation with Dr. Daniel Halleck of Wild Leaders. And uh, Daniel, uh, it's so encouraging that you guys are out there really setting the new standard for whole company development. Thank you very much. You got it. Anytime, Ron.